Let us look to the Lord right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we magnify and glorify your precious name. Just thanking you for who you are, God, and for yet another opportunity that you have given us to experience your presence above all things. And in your presence, Lord, we cannot help but to praise and worship you. And we thank you for this opportunity, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you have touched our hearts, Lord God, in song, Lord God. And I pray that that which you've sent out to accomplish, you know, in that moment, Lord God, in, the, in, the, in that time, Lord God, that it is done what is set out to do, that it is accomplished what is was set out to do, Lord God, that it encouraged us, Lord God, to draw closer to you uh, just a little bit more uh, today, Lord God, that it has opened our hearts, Lord God, for your word that is going to come forth, that our hearts now is open with, not a, with no walls up, Lord God, but just truly open to receive that which you want to speak to us and encourage us with. So as you speak to our hearts right now, Lord God, I pray that each and every one of us, Lord God, that we don't deny, that we don't look to the left or to the right, but Lord God, but that we see ourselves in where we are in that which you are charging us with today, Lord God. So we know that your word is true. We know that you are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We know that you are the Alpha and the Omega. We know that you are the beginning and the end, Lord God. And we know that we want to be with you for all eternity, Lord God. So speak to our hearts that we may change, that we may be rearranged, that we may never be the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Uh, so if you will, on this morning, let us turn our Bibles to Acts, the book of Acts in chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. In our text verses is, is the end of chapter 2, verses 40 to the end of the chapter. I want to read that with you. Um, Acts chapter 2 is a passage of scripture that for most of us, I'm sure, that we are familiar with. Uh, but I won't just take it off of it so we can uh, do a quick little review of there. If we have to place a title to this message, I believe the message title uh, today will be the functions of the church. The basic functions of the church uh, in there. And I will dare to say right now that as this message I feel that is, is, gonna, is a prerequisite to uh, a two-part series that God is going to have us do over the next two weeks. Um, the the two-part message that I feel in my heart already that God wants to speak to us next week and the following is it's on the kingdom. It's, uh, it's about... Uh, the work of the kingdom is a challenge uh, that he's putting before us to understand and know the priorities of the kingdom work. I'm talking about the kingdom work. We know uh, we're talking about the work of the kingdom, and and I will just quickly say this, just as a, a, a entry. You know, there what God was showing me is that there's when it comes to the work of the kingdom, there's two aspects to that. There's the aspect of working for the kingdom in the local church. And then there's the aspect of working for the kingdom uh, outside the local church. This is something that we all 
and, and uh, participating in as believers uh, the work of the kingdom. And there is a dilemma, come on somebody, in the working of the kingdom that God just wants to speak to the body of Christ, period. And, and, he's going, and he certainly don't speak it to us here at True Love, but there's a dilemma when it comes to the work of the kingdom. Some are caught on one side of the spectrum, and then others are caught way on the other side of the perspective. Part some is caught on part one, working in the local church, and then there's some that is caught uh, on the other side, working outside the local church. And, but there is a balance and a medium for each and every one of us that as true believers, as those, again, you hear me say it all the time, that has a reservation uh, for with God for eternity, and those of us that have some expectation to spend eternity with them, that our time that we have here, then it is to do the work of the kingdom. Jesus made that very clear. He charged the disciples and the apostles uh, the same at the, uh, at the start of the early church, and that has never changed. He gave them the great commission to go out to all the world to preach the gospel and to teach the uh, people how to live for him uh, and, and to do the same. And that has never changed even more than 2,000 years later and it's not going to change. So there's, the, there's two parts. We're going to focus on the, the local church and then we're going to focus on the work of the kingdom outside the local church, which is good. And it's going to draw some understanding for each and every one of us. Uh, as to being a worker of the kingdom and it's going to encourage us glory be to god to do to, to be in that place and understand that medium and today but some of us is probably in the midst of god speaking to our hearts about some of these things and it's going to draw some clarity there glory be to god but for today and maybe this is just setting the tone god wants to, uh, us to see uh and to visit the functions of the church. And it's kind of, and God gave me the confirmation because, you know, my wife knows, and, I, and maybe some of you know, you know, I really, when it comes to ministering the word, I have to be led by the Spirit of God. I don't, you know, study a lesson on Monday, you know, a particular for Sunday. I study the word of God and I try to put all of it in my heart. And even when I stand before you quite often, most of the time, I don't have no idea what God is going to do outside of what he put in there. I know there's something that he's going to do to come out. So I don't, uh, you know, and that's unorthodox and it's probably untraditional, but I trust in the Lord that every time I stand before you that he will speak to you, not me. And that I am assured of that I don't have a message for you, but there is a message from the Lord and I trust him enough. And he confirmed that that which he wants to speak as I studied through the week, he confirmed that what he wants to, to speak in the circle uh, as to, you know, because we sit down and we have this time and we sit before the Lord. And then and one uh, of the people said that, uh, you know, what God was showing them was, uh, the you know, on a paper that, that we have to, uh, you know, remember or, 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 or revisit or be re-encouraged of the vision of the church. And it was confirmation because uh, that is what he had me to study all week. And then here we are, the function of the church. So I couldn't tell you then, but I'm telling you now, my friend, that uh, yes, that was just nothing but a confirmation in terms of what God, because I've been asking him this morning, what, 
way do you want to go? Because there's so many messages uh, that are that's in my heart and that he's placed in there. So he gave me the answer that we have to look at the function of the church. So this may be not a message that is going to make you jump up and scream and shout, but what it is is going to be a message that God wants to speak to our hearts that will give you a reminder. And for some of us, it may be uh, some new news. For some of us, it may be a reminder of old news. But there is a real importance, my friend, to the purpose yes. that God has the local church in the communities and as the church as a whole yes. in there. And it's no better place for us to, to see that uh, purpose than the early church, the first church. Amen. And that we know is in Acts. So if you will, Acts chapter 2, verse 40. I'll read this and we'll lay a foundation here. And it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, it says, and, and with many words, he testified and exhorted them. That was Peter. Saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Be saved from this perverse generation. You can already see right there that there's a real function or a purpose for the church uh, in local communities because somebody needs to be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who uh, gladly received his words were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls was added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. In the breaking of bread and in prayer. I'm going to say that again. They continued steadfastly in four things. And these are the four things that we're going to talk about today. In the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayer. It says in verse 43, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonderful and, uh, wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all believed, excuse me, now all who believed were together. And had all things in common. They had sold their possessions and, and, and goods and divided them amongst themselves as many as uh, anyone had need. And then verse uh, 46, it says, So continuing... Daily. Somebody said continuing daily. With, with one cord in the temple and breaking the bread to, from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen. Here, the, there's four things we want to look at very quickly. <clears throat> and, the, and the four things is, is that which the first, the early church was established on. It's the basic principle of what church is and what church is truly all about. And the elements of church. See, something we need to understand why we come to this place. You know, we, I'm talking about more than just a uh, you know, it being a hospital, as I said earlier today, see, because, you know, the church is not a hospital, first and foremost. A church heals. You know, when you come to church, then there can be some healing taking place. When there, when you come to church, then, you know, there can be some deliverance come to, come, come to place. There, there can be many things, and there ought to be many things that happen, but the church is, uh, there can be, when you come to church, there can be some financial breakthroughs, but the church ain't the bank. 
When you come to church, there can be some healing that can happen, but the church is not the hospital, my friend. The church is a, a gathering of the saints. It's a place for us to gather, for to us to fellowship and to praise God, first and foremost, and above all things. You know, and, and, and there's a series that my wife had preached that God uh, put in some words that it, uh, he had put in her heart to, to speak to exactly, you know, some of the things that happen when we come to church. But, uh, you know, in there and how some of the things that it does, how it, you know, is to praise God, you know, is to know God. And then, you know, and knowing God, it'll actually give you a reflection that you may even know yourself, you know, in there. But above all things, my friend, see, because what's happening now, especially in the time that we live in, uh, the church is the place that people seem to come because, uh, as a, a duty unto God. You know, it's a place that we show up sometimes or, or, or some of us all the time, some of us here and there or whatever, but it's as though we do on God a favor. And so God wants us to, he has to take us back to take a picture of what that first church really was all about. And, and the reason why is because God needs to speak to our hearts, my friend. Because we are so far removed from what the church originally was. You know, to the point, like I said, that, you know, there's many reasons why people come to church. It's a number of them. Matter of fact, if there's 50 of us in here or 30 of us in here, then it, it could be 30 different reasons why we come to church. But the truth of the matter is God established the church for one reason. And one reason only, first and foremost. And in that one reason, then it would be a benefit that would flow down that could meet all the other things that people think that they need to get from church. And the things that we think that we need to get from church is no more than a benefit. It's not the reason. It's a benefit, but not the reason, glory be to God. So here, the church, what we want to look at, is at this time, for most of you already know, starting in, in Acts chapter 1, that this is the time that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. He had came back. And he, uh, well, he, he had been resurrected from the dead, and he had spent about 40 days here with the disciples before he ascended before them up into heaven. Glory be to God. Amen. Everybody know what I'm talking about? So Jesus had got crucified, he had died on the cross, and then God had raised him from the dead, and here he appears back to the apostles, and now we are drawn close to the feast uh, of Pentecost. And so of uh, the time of Pentecost, and so if you remember then Jesus in him, his resurrected body, he appears before them and he tells them ultimately to go to Jerusalem and to wait in the, you know, in, the, in this place which we know is the upper room in there. And that's where they went and, they, and he asked them to wait because he was going to send what? The Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 1, we see that that's exactly what happened, that God sent the Holy Spirit. And the Bible talks about it, that it came as, as a, you know, uh, as fire. And many, in all in the city had heard what was happening, but they had seen in the evidence, uh, became, you know, was that they began to speak in other tongues. Come on, somebody. You know the story, I'm just doing the review right now. So when the, uh, the Holy Spirit came, as they waited on the Holy Spirit, uh, as Jesus had gave them command, when the Spirit of God came, it came upon them with fire. As, uh, and they began to speak in tongues, but the strange part about it is all these people have been, had gathered to Jerusalem at this time for the Feast 
uh, you know, for the feast of feast of the day of Pentecost. You know, uh, the feast of Pentecost. And what happened is you got people from all different sects of life, so with all different languages and everything. And what every one of them began to hear is they heard what they were saying in their own language. Okay? In there. And so with that being said, then they realized, man, yo, something didn't happen here. Yeah. Here was another sign. And so then Peter stood up and he began to minister to them. He said, this is the, that Jesus, the one that you crucified. Yo, this is him, and we are here as witness of him, and this is where it comes to where we are. He began to minister to them, he preached, he told them first and foremost that y'all crucify the Lord. And of course, with all of the signs and everything, they were cut to the heart, is what the Bible says. And then they asked him around in verse 35, 36, brother, what must we do? And he told them to do what? To repent to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins and you shall be saved. Okay? And you'll get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Glory be to God. So that's what has happened here. And so now we pick up at verse 40 is where we take off from, from there. And in verse 40, we see very clearly what he begins to say that, you know, with many words, he testified and exhorted to them, you know, be saved from this perverse generation. And so in there, this is where we see he, the doctrines of the church or the functions of the church being established. And this is what we want to talk about. Number one, doctrine. Doctrine is number one. Number two is fellowship. Number three is the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread. And number four is prayer. One thing that I might add is that for us to realize is that when the church was first uh, started, that the church was like an infant. I want you to think about this. The church was in its infancy stages, you know, when the New Testament had been written. I'm talking about the Bible. When the Bible, the New Testament part of the Bible was being written, the church was just being born. Therefore, only the fundamental functions of the church would be recorded in the Bible. So even here, only the fundamental uh, functions of the church is recorded. Why? Because the Old Testament, I mean, the New Testament was just being written as the church was being birthed. Uh, you can think of it like this. It would be like uh, a little baby learning to eat and to breathe and to sleep. You know, as an infant, uh, that makes them, that's not less important and these things are very important. They are necessary also that the church, the body of Christ, may grow into maturity. It takes a, you know, a little baby when it's first born. You know, it has to learn how to eat. It's got to do all these different things. And that's an important thing for its growth and maturity. And I say that because the church, as we, the word of God is written, the church was just being started. Matter of fact, the first book of the New Testament that uh, was probably Galatians and that was written like two decades, about 20 years later than from when the church started. Okay? That's important to understand that because we only have a portion. The church should, the uh, according to the kingdom of God, the church should be far advanced than even what is uh, written here, but unfortunately we are, uh, are not even close to what it started at. 
It's instead of the church progressing, it kind of went backwards. And so this is the reason why it's essential for us to revisit the vision and the understanding of what the church actually is. So the doctrine is first and foremost. In the time of Acts, there was no written New Testament. You got to think about this. When the church was first started, there was no written New Testament. The earliest letter, again, like I said, was probably uh, Galatians, which was written like 20 years later, after the day of Pentecost. Therefore, the church in Jerusalem, uh, it took the apostles' teaching of Jesus Christ as the hope and the consolation for Israel, period. The promise of, of the, the Jewish Messiah, the Bible was the Old Testament. That's all they had was the Old Testament, and they had uh, the witness of the apostles that had walked with Christ. See, I'm saying this because the doctrine is so important. And this is why you can see the, the apostles, the 12 apostles, because some of us may have been thinking about this. Why were they so important? Well, they were so important because when the church first started, the only witness uh, to who Christ was outside of the Old Testament was the that which was an eyewitness. And that's why it takes in order to be an apostle, you have to have been an eyewitness of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? And some of us then say, well, how is Paul an, uh, an apostle then? Because he was not an eyewitness that was on Jesus' side, even at that time, for sure. Well, then, if you remember the story of Paul, uh, yeah, he became an eyewitness because the Bible says that he was uh, took into the third heaven and God showed him Yo, exactly what the deal was. I didn't go all the way down that road, but that's a blessed thing because God used uh, a supernatural thing to indoctrinate him or to, uh, you know, to bring him into apostleship. Glory be to God. And we have today that going around that there's so many people calling themselves an apostle, but I ain't even going to go down that road, but the description to what apostle was is very clear in the word of God. Unless they, I can't say if they supernaturally like Paul, but take it to the third heaven. Glory be to God. God. And you will find that in the book of Philippians, by the way. Amen. So the doctrine here was imparted. And this is what he was saying. Look at verse 20. Four, uh, 42 again. 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And that was the, what was the apostles' doctrine? It was the eyewitness proclamation of Jesus Christ dead and them seeing him resurrected. They weren't the only ones that seen him resurrected. Because the Bible says that, you know, when they came back, he spent some time, I guess, in the upper room with them. So it was more than the 12 disciples there, uh, apostles there. But they're a eyewitness account of his ministry and them spending walking with him for all of that period of time. And the fact that they witnessed him in his glorified body, you know, uh, from after the death, burial, and the resurrection, glory be to God. And that is what the whole Christianity hinges on. This is what all of what everything hinges on, the fact that Jesus uh, was resurrected. Amen. This is what our doctrine is. And we have lived in a time now that there's many places when it comes to doctrine that they want to compromise the fact that Jesus was resurrected. 
from the dead. I'm talking about even those that proclaim to be Christian, Christian churches. And we have to be very careful. The, the priority, uh, and if you don't know what the doctrine is, my friend, then you ought to get to know what the doctrine is. That's something that you ought to be able to, uh, you know, have a passion to show up to Bible study or something or to ask a question. Because if you don't know what you believe, then, uh, then there's a problem there. How can we minister to others what we don't even know uh, to the, what we believe? So the first function of the church is the doctrine. And the doctrine is, is that what we believe, what we know to be true, and that is that Jesus was the Son of God. That he was sent by God in the form of man through the virgin birth of, of Mary, glory be to God, born of the spirit of the living God, and that he was the son of God, that he walked this earth, and that he did it in a way that pleased God without sin. And that he became then the perfect and righteous sacrifice that was acceptable unto the God Almighty to pay the price for our sins. Because for each and every one of us, we are born into sin, that we are sinners in need of a Savior. That we were sinners in need of a Savior. And why? Because the wages of sin is death. And death is eternal separation from God. So we, see, and some of us don't think that this is a problem because now we live in a time where it ain't no sin. And if it ain't no sin, then no one needs a Savior. Can you see how the trick of the enemy is indoctrinating uh, beliefs in our time right now? And this is the reason why this is so important to us. That we cannot compromise with the world on what, what, what is truth. Because at the end of the day, when all of this is all over, my friend, and this is the reason why you hear me saying all the time, and why God is important to us all the time, how important it is for us to be the vessel that right now that he needs to use. Because the world, he needs a vessel that he can work to, to be able to speak to all of the lies and all of the false doctrines. See, false doctrines was a problem at this time when, when the church first started because there were many people, they denied first and foremost the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But there were so many other false doctrines. And this is what Paul, Peter, John, all of them had to fight against the, the whole time after Jesus had left. You know, they were all in battle against you know, the infiltration of people coming to the church with false doctrines. This is why the book of Matthew talks about in chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God. But he who does the will of my Father. Why? Because if you look in chapter 7, right before that, he was talking about sheep, I mean wolves in sheep clothing. He's talking about those that are preaching a false doctrine. That they will be there. They like wolves. They are, they are raising wolves, but guess what? They look like you and me. They are in sheep clothing. But they are there to do what? To destroy the, the, the doctrine of truth. To come against the doctrine of truth. But here's the thing, my friend. At the end of the day, the only thing that's going to matter is what truth is. And it's only one truth. See, when we stand before the Lord, there's going to be many that find out. And that's what it goes on to say. After it says, not many, not everyone who says that, well, Lord, Lord, he says, uh, what's going to ultimately happen is that many of them are going to say, did not cast out devils in your name? 
did not prophesy in your name, did not do many wonderful works in your name. And he says to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. And see, and that's what's going to be the bottom line at the end of time when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's only going to be mentioned on one thing, and that's what the truth is. So all that bought into the lie is, is, going, is going to be doomed for eternity. And this is the reason why this stuff is so important, not just for us to be saved, but also that God can use us as a vessel that somebody else can come into the knowledge of truth. Doctrine is important, my friend, and it cannot be compromised in the church even today. It wasn't then, and it can't be now. So do everybody understand, number one, what's number one doctrine? Jesus crucified and resurrected to the glory of the Father. Because this is what satisfies God. And listen, the only thing that's going to matter is what was God satisfied with at the end of time. This is the reason, again, I'm going to say it, we'll move on to number two. We cannot compromise the doctrine, not for ourselves and, and not for, uh, for somebody else. That's right. So you got to know what the truth is. Because when you stand before them and, and, and it ain't going, you can't blame it on your brother, you can't blame it on your friend. Well, they told me this, that, that uh, you know, we didn't have to believe that he raised from the dead. We just have to believe in you. It ain't going to fly. And the saddest part about it then is going to be too late. It's going to be way too late, my friends, in this moment. So we don't, we don't have no time for that. The second function of the church, and you can still, as we move to the second function, you can see that this is very important to God as he lays the foundation of what the church is. Number two, fellowship. <laughs> Today, the word fellowship is often reduced to a social activity. Somebody here can understand here, because all this stuff, this is real important. Fellowship. But in today's society, the word fellowship is often reduced to a social activity in the context of a congregation. While true fellowship can be manifested through social activity, the word means much more. The Greek word is koinonia. Some of you heard that. It signifies oneness and commonality. True community is what it, is what it represents. It means what? It's oneness and commonality. The adjective for this word is found in, in, uh, in the same passage of scripture in, uh, in verse 44. Thank you. That the believers had all things in common. Jesus prayed for us as his followers. He prayed for us. Uh, I mentioned this last week on John 17 in his prayer. John chapter 17, verses 11. John chapter 17, verse 21 and 23. 1 John chapter 3. Uh, uh, excuse me, 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, 6 and 7. That he prayed for our unity. That we would be one as him and the Father is one. He prayed for that. Did you know that Jesus, I'm talking about praying for you as an individual. He prayed for the, his the apostles and his disciples at that time. But he prayed for us as future believers. So Jesus prayed for you as an individual, even before you was here. Jesus prayed for you, and you can know that today. Yeah. That, that, why? What he prayed for you and me is that we can be one with one another 
in him as him and the Father is one. Glory be to God. That we can be unified. Yeah. That we can be one. This And this happens and this is developed through fellowship. And this fellowship ain't some social activity. So it's not about us coming together and doing some social activity. This is about us coming together to fellowship and, and do our own fellowship. Yes, social activity can happen. Come on, somebody. This is a serious thing because uh, this unity that he's, he, that he's talking about was illustrated in this way in the early church as they shared possessions. They had everything in common. That they were able to continue steadfastly in fellowship suggested that the church in Jerusalem acted in unity. It shows that they acted in unity. You know, and there ain't no doubt that we see uh, from in chapter 5 and 6 that, it, that they went through some growing pains in that because there were some issues. That's where the deacons had to, you know, be established and all of these different things to take care of certain things in the church. But the fact of the matter is they were committed to unity, my friend. You see, these functions of the church are so important because they, when you tie all of them together, you're going to see what it comes up to. And you're going to see, and see, we can't just be doing church no more. This is not about us just doing church, playing church, or coming to church for our own reasons, God. There's a purpose in, in how God has brought together and set the functions and the foundation of the church. for, And it adds up to something for Him. Come on, somebody. Fellowship is important. Unity is important. So if there's any division amongst you, we better handle that. If you have any uh, thing that's working in you, and I don't care what it is, it could be any bitty or huge, you better handle that. If you remember the message a few weeks ago, he said, no, when you come to the altar, he don't put it in your mind and remember that you that your that you uh, your brother has something against you before you can go handle that. Not just what you have against your brother, because you shouldn't be coming to the altar with us having anything against our brother. But we can come to the altar and God can remind us that somebody has something against us. And if you come to the altar with the heart that God wants you to have, then when he reveals to you, oh, you remember your brother, he angry with you about something. You know, it ain't your fault. You know, he shouldn't be angry, but you know what? You better go handle that. See, this is calling us beyond us and ourselves. See, this, and this is the beautiful part about it because now you can begin to see what's developing here is that church ain't about us just doing some activities. It ain't about just the little work that you do in the church. It's about the heart in which you do the work in the church. Is everybody listening? Don't be distracted by nothing right now. So if you got something else going on, put it down. Please right now, because this ain't nothing more important under the sun than to hear what God is saying right now. And the fact of the matter is, oneness, fellowship, I don't care who's at fault. I don't care, well, he don't care who's at fault. He don't care who started, he don't care, uh, none of that. What he cares about is that you handle it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord. We want to be a part of the activities of the church and do a bunch of work, and we won't even handle it that God is telling us to handle the simple things. How can he trust us with uh, being, doing all this stuff? 
when we can't even handle a, a little uh, disagreement between my brother that I can stay one with you. Yeah. And to realize that uh, the little difference because you call it black and I call it pink, that it don't mean enough to, to divide us. And this is what's happening daily. Number three, and it's a reason for this. Watch this. Number three. Number three was the breaking of bread. Which is breaking of bread is the Lord's Supper, first and foremost. In verse 46, yes, it makes reference to the actual meals, and they did that too. But here in, in, in 42, it, this is specifically referred to the, the Lord's Supper. That they came together to do what? To remember the resurrection, death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They came together to remember what this truly was all about. They came together to, to, to fellowship in what they believed. You see, all of these are speaking to the matters of the heart, my friend. So we can be doing a whole bunch of activities. We can be over the usher board, the deacon board, that board, this board, and all of this different stuff. But if we are not coming together with the heart of Christ, then it don't matter how many boards you open. Or own for that matter. Yeah. If you can't die enough to yourself in remembering that Jesus Christ died for your sin, that God sacrificed his only begotten son, that we can be saved. And that ain't enough to cause you to die to yourself to, to overcome to, uh, certain things. One, uh, your difference between one another. And then two, even your own self, what you want and what you ain't gonna buy to, why that's why you ain't being committed, that's why you're afraid to commit. Because it's about this natural stuff and what you want out of life and the uh, the lack of comfort that you don't want to lose. Are you kidding me? It's no way that you can stay there. See, this is why the fellowship was so important, because if we really understand the doctrine. If we understand the importance of the fellowship, if we understand truly the, uh, what Jesus said, do this as often as you do this, remember me. If we understand the remembrance of what this, the foundation of it is, all this is about. This is about our redemption and how we were redeemed. If you are locked into that, then ain't nothing about yourself. Don't ever take precedence over it. See, what's been happening is we've been coming to church for far too long, hearing all kinds of different messages, but not the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been hearing messages on, on, on how to prosper. We've been hearing messages on how much faith we're supposed to have. But you can't have no faith if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about how this is. First and foremost, and above all things, See, there's so many messages out there that we've been hearing, and yes, all of the messages, just like Paul, I think he wrote to Timothy, they tickle your ears. Yeah, they intrigue you. They want what you want to hear. Because, you know, anytime that we get hear what we want to hear, that's all, you know, that pumps my flesh up or that pleases my flesh, then we, we can easily get sidetracked by all that stuff. That's why we better be careful on how we receive even words of prophecy. See, because everything that God meant with prophecy, it was to edify. And, it, and if it's taken in order, then it'll do just that. But sometimes we'll hear what the prophet has said, and, uh, and, and, and ain't even in touch with what Jesus 
the Redeemer said. They lost uh, contact with the Redeemer. See, because what the prophet said all it does is it defeats the flesh. What Jesus did, it, it cures the spirit. How could this be? How could it be? So yes, God wants to set some order back in the church. And then that order comes to us uh, uh, just what you prayed earlier. Because when we really have the right order, when we know the right functions, then what it does, it develops a love for God. Because he first loved us. And he demonstrated his love towards us. While we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. See, it ain't nothing, it ain't no other word under the sun that's more important to understand. And if we, we can go all in all these different directions, but if you don't know that and remember that, it ain't locked into the fact that while you were yet sinners, that Jesus died for you and paid the price for your sin, that puts you in right relationship with God, then you can get all of this other stuff and it ain't gonna add up to nothing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The only thing it's gonna add up to is what pleases your flesh. Yes. Come on, and I know this may be a tough message for all of us. Yes, true. Yes. I ain't gonna say some of us, but all of us. Yes. Because it's causing us to remember truly what this is all about. And this is about the love of God. And then our love for him in return. Because you can't love God unless you know that he loves you. It's impossible. And so this is why the Lord, the breaking of bread, is so important. And this is certainly uh, probably referring to the Lord's Supper. The Jerusalem church celebrated this meal regularly in anticipation of the day that they were celebrating with Jesus in his kingdom. And of course, we know that they was expecting his kingdom to come right away. Glory be to God. Well, we should be expecting it to come right away too. Maybe not in the same sense that they think it was going to be here on earth. But we should, we already know because we have the written word of God that there's going to be a new heaven. Hallelujah! And a new earth. Glory be to God. When he establishes his kingdom. But it ain't that far off. Matter of fact, it's closer for us than it was for them when they was in Vegas doing a day. In anticipation. Come on. Come on, come on. And we're lucky if we do it once a month. Come on. It's ridiculous. It's one of the most important things under the sun. That as we come together in fellowship, that this is about us remembering Jesus. See, this is what's going to keep us connected. This is how we're going to encourage one another to stay connected to what we believe in. And not only connected to it, but that it's important. And it's crazy because when you look at the church, we are so far from that that we come together and what's important is all of the different uh all of the different uh uh things that we do. The functions, all the different programs that we put on. Come on, somebody. See, we got sidetracked by all of that, you know, and dedicated to all of that. We can see how this stuff is out of order. He's going to talk to us a little bit more about that. You're coming up real soon. I was talking to one of my uh, pastor friends just yesterday, I think it was. And actually, he was the one that uh, licensed me in the ministry. And, and he was saying how here's a traditional church uh, in there and how 
Scorpio for years. They've had all these programs, this Mother's Day program, anniversary program, this program. They said he cut all that stuff out of it. And it's because they come, he must have came to a realization after 40 years in the ministry or so. That was the only program that's important. The only one that we ought to be visiting every single week that we come together and all the time. If we don't, is the importance of Jesus, him crucified, and him redeemed, and res I mean, him resurrected. And that is done through the breaking of bread, the remembrance of Jesus, the blood of Christ Jesus that was spent, that satisfied God through the Lord's Supper. And finally, my friends, prayer. A lost art in the church. And when you read through the book of Acts and you read about the early church, prayer was constant, a constant practice in the early church. They didn't do anything without prayer. The apostles prayed for those that they ministered to as well. But prayer was not only a response for crisis or needs. It wasn't just a response for crisis or needs. But they had what they call, or what we can refer to as the prayer of praise. They constantly prayed a prayer of praise unto God. Do you think, can you imagine why the prayer of praise is a lost art in the church today? Because it's directly connected to the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper. Directly connected to the remembrance of our Jesus, our Lord Savior Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. Because if we don't remember that, then how are we going to pray the prayer of praise? But when we remember that, this is where the prayer of praise comes from. This is what praise and worship comes from. It only comes from one place. We got to put praise to God for that because He blessed me with this and blessed me with that. You need to praise God for the truth. And then true honor for the things that he did for us. Then true honor will come forth. So then, you know, and now we're talking about right order, right priority, and everything else. Because the true praise is because of our redemption. And then being redeemed. So when God does bless you in some way, say, fashion, for when he rescues you, when he delivers you, when he sets you free for some things, then true honor can come forth through prayers. It's gone. But see, when we just praise him for, you know, what he's done, then guess what kind of praise he gets? He gets a sometime praise. Because it's only sometimes when he blesses us like that. What about the other times when you don't feel so blessed? It ain't no praise. But you can see that the prayer of praise that they prayed was not because of what something that he happened in the natural how he blessed them with this or blessed them with that. It was purely because they received and understood that the blood of the blood of Christ Jesus had just immediately come to them. We're gonna close right here. Because the truth of the matter is, is just let me just talk to you. For a second. Let me just appeal to your heart for a second because I can say all of this stuff and, and where the rubber really meets the road, my friend, is, is that is this. 
that we've gotten so far away. You know, the reason, and, and when I say this, David, remember what I said from the beginning as we prayed, God ordered us to, you know, to hear this word, and it's got, you got to see where it is for you. Where am I in this? Where am I in this? Where am I in this? And that's the only question that, you know, that's the only measuring stick. And the fact of the matter is, is my friends, is that we are living in the time that the church is so far removed that, you know, from the death, burial, and the resurrection. Yeah, I'm talking about uh, experiencing that. See, if you can just see the picture when Jesus had, Jesus had freshly died. And he was, and what, and what was at work, and what was ministering, and what was preaching, and what was teaching the people was eyewitnesses yeah. to what had just happened. That men, that, that they had walked with Jesus all of this time, and they knew, they had synthesized in the morning, they knew who he was. Remember they said, you are, when, when he asked him, who the man said that I am? And then who do you say that I am? You, and then Peter broke it down right quick. And, the, and he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. Yep. It had to be the spirit. Yep. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. And they knew that Jesus was sent by God. By the time that he was crucified on that cross. They knew in their hearts. And this is what I'm saying to you, my friend, that this is what we have to know in our hearts and it got to be ever afresh. Yes. We are so far from removed from that because we are clustered by that which we uh, won't feel and need and all of these different things. We are bombarded by the things that we are going through. That we are distracted from that. And Satan has used that as a distraction. He's using it as a wall. For, us, for our concentration on the real reality and just as it was then the ever truth uh, the ever facts of the matter is the same that, that, that Jesus died for you and for me my friend and that God raised him from the dead and see when you're going through your everyday routine and you ain't thinking about that then it's easy to get caught up in all kinds of situations all kinds of foolishness. When somebody on the job is talking stupid to you and saying some crazy stuff, it's easy to get entangled with that because what ain't on your mind is that Jesus died and he saved me from my sin. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the real reality of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, my friend. Because you have to just put yourself there. And we live so far removed from that reality that, it, that even our day to day life. So removed from it that we, we think we're doing God's service. Wow. I'm serious. Wow. And God is just wanting us to check it. No, don't look at your wife. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your brother. Don't, don't look at the one sitting next to you. But see where you are in this because we're all guilty of it. But at the same time, when if, if Christ came right now, we would be ready to go with him. Don't leave me here, Lord. We would have every expectation of being with him for eternity. We would be just like the ones that they described in Matthew chapter 7. Lord, Lord, did not. Did not. Did not. Amen. That's it. And what did he say to us? Depart from darkness. Yes, you, you, you said did not. Uh, why? Because you came to church and, uh, you know, uh, and, 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 and sung a few songs. But then the next morning he was cussing everybody else out on the job. 
And God is just saying, I need it to be real right now. The reality of the resurrection that will lead us to have a heart of praise to God and a prayer. We ought to be in prayer for the local church. We ought to be in prayer for the body of Christ. We ought to be in prayer for one another. I'm talking about seriously, my friends. Because I can tell you and assure you of this. If, 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 and this is all hypothetical, but if we, if Jesus gave us a new flesh and you knew it was him, right now, I'm talking about just us and maybe nobody else. If Jesus came and stood before us, you know, just like he was with the, with the apostles, you know, and then uh, when he rose up into heaven, then right standing next to him was uh, two angels. And the angels asked him, what y'all doing standing here gazing up into heaven? He asked them. He said, what are you doing standing here gazing up to heaven? You know, because that same Jesus that you see just rise up, they, he didn't say it because he didn't know that was Jesus. No, he said the same Jesus that you just seen uh, get raised up in that cloud, he's going to come back just the same way. He said, so why are y'all standing here? You better go and get busy. That's what he was saying to them. You need to go and do the work. What are you doing? Look at it. It's time for us to do the work. And this is where their urgency came from. And we need to have it again right here, right now, with the same urgency, my friend. Ain't nothing more important. I don't care what your brother said and how and you mad at him. You better die to that test. Then we can be about the Father's business. Be reconciled to your brother, your sister, to your mama, whoever it is, to your friend, to your co-worker, to the stranger that you talked about. Be reconciled, my friend. Because it ain't Except that we can be about the Father's business. It's no nothing more important than under the sun. So we need to stop. And so if Jesus came back right now and, and, and told each and every one of us. I'm talking about just us. He didn't show up at, at Jumbo. He didn't even show up next door at the church over here. He showed up in here for us. And he said, in two days I'm coming back for the whole world. And you knew it was him. Would you be living the same way that you plan on leaving here living like? Seriously. I don't care who you are. You may not have ever opened the Bible in your life. You may, you know, but you're a believer, but you may not have studied nothing. You're going to be in tool right there. Just like he appeared to them. That's what I'm saying. If he came here and he told us in two to three days, I'm coming back. And I'm only sharing this with you. I guarantee you none of us will leave this place the same, my friend. You will leave here being about the Father's business. And when nothing, somebody say nothing, nothing be more important under the sun than what you just witnessed right there in your preparation for that. Nothing. And my charge to you, my friend, is that uh, no, he, he is showing up. He may not be saying he's coming back in two days. Because some of us, it may not even make, we might not make it to that. And it may not be two weeks. It may be not even your lifetime. But the urgency he said that I need you to live with, it would be, it's the same fashion in the same form. The commitment that I need you to live with right now is the same fashion, the same form. And somebody still don't know what I'm talking about. Because you think that you just go out and all that wouldn't be a big deal, you just go out the same way. No, my friend, if you see Jesus and you, you ain't going out the same way. You're not going out the same way. Your life will never be the same. 
the functions of the church. This is important. And I can say specifically for True Love Christian Church, God is sitting, you ain't here by happenstance. That there, there's every one of us that's here, you're not here by happenstance. God wants you to hear his word and there's a function to what he's doing here in his church. That he needs every one of us to line up with and to not be afraid of losing your, your or the, of the commitment and what you're going to lose. Because you're, whatever you're going to lose, it ain't going to be, it don't add up to what you're going to gain. Walking in obedience to the Almighty God. And some of you have been hearing him, and you know that he's been saying it, but you've been in fear of what, of just, of, of, you know, how it's going to work. He said, don't worry about how it's going to work. Let him do his job, he says. I'm going to do it. I just need your hearts. Because what I'm trying to do is not just for us in here, but he says, I can't even see it. Okay, so let me close right here, because this is the bottom line. The bottom line is, is this, my friend, that there's an overwhelming joy that happens when the functions of the church is at work. Whether corporately in the temple or, where, or within each another home or outside of the temple, believers living on one accord is a blessing in the face of God. You know, when they live like that with gladness and simplicity as this, as this early church did, praising God, guess what will happen? That we will begin to have favor with all men, favor in the community. And the favor that we have it ain't because of us, it's because of God. And what happens actually happens in the Lord adds to the church daily because of that. And the Lord will add daily to the church those who are being saved. It's if we line up, He's waiting for us to operate in this overflow of joy. Because of truth. And he'll add to the church. Evangelism was not a program in Jerusalem church. It was a way of life. Did you hear what I said? Evangelism was not a program in the church in Jerusalem. It was a way of life. See, we've caught up with so many programs. We don't put on an evangelism program. But you ain't even ready if God did today. Because you ain't committed to do the work. Who's going to take care of it? Now it's a hundred babies back there. Who's going to do that? You see the problem? How can he add to the church like he's supernatural? And he can do it. But who's going who's gonna to deal with the, the 50 babies now that we got back there? Who's going to fill the other? See, because the commitment if we've been a child away from the commitment so God to add to the church is, is what his desire is. But in order for him to do that, then he has to have those that he has put in place to be committed. Amen. And our churches today, we uh, should examine our mission. It ain't no doubt about it. This is what we're talking about. To ensure that these basic tenets is a full operation. Before we get into expanding into modern pursuits. I'm going to say that again. Before we get into doing all of these modern programs and duplicating what other churches is doing, we need to make sure that these functions are in place. This is what God was showing you, that we need to make sure we go back to His vision of what church is really all about. And that is born out of the truth of who Jesus is that springs forth a, 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 a overwhelming uh, desire for each and every one of us to come together in one 
And the foundation of all of that will be us, a real heart now, to pray for one another and the church. And the, uh, and the move of God and what he's doing. See, because you can't really pray for uh, the move of God when you ain't committed to the move of God. Come on, say it. I ain't talking about being a believer. No, you're a believer. You believe in God and you trust in God always. But how can you pray for the movement of what he's doing in the local body when you ain't, when you're afraid to commit to it? It's not going to happen, my friend. All right, we got a little work. I'll see you soon. It's not going to happen. I told you it ain't gonna, it's, it's hard on all. But the truth of the matter is God is speaking right now. And there's no way. You, 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 you can. And you can think so. You can have the heart of it. But God knows the truth. And the truth of it is, is we, how can we add Pray for the true growth of what God wants to do here. When we ain't committed, when we're afraid of the commitment for what God is doing here. It's time to break bread, my friend. It's time. It's time. So if you've been waiting for God to give you the time, well, he's giving you the time. And this ain't about true love, Christian church. This ain't about Pastor John. This is about the work of the kingdom that you are committed to. So let us look to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we magnify, glorify your precious name. Thanking you, Lord God, for you are one.